In spite of the outside noise surrounding Michigan's football program right now, Jim Harbaugh, his staff, and his roster continue to roll through opponents and dominate them. They are also coming off of a bye week entering this game, and I anticipate they used that bye week to improve their run game, likely focus a bit on Penn State while obviously preparing for this matchup against Purdue, also known as the Spoiler Makers. Under Jeff Brom, they pulled off numerous upsets against then top five ranked teams, Ohio State in 2018 and Iowa and Michigan State in 2021. Yes, the Hawkeyes and the Spartans at one point were ranked inside of the top five in 2021, but I digress. Purdue is 2-6. and six. They're obviously in a rebuilding year under head coach Ryan Walters. Michigan, meanwhile, is the most efficient team in all of college football. They're the most dominant team in all of college football. If you don't weigh strength of schedule too much, um, I'm someone who personally... Of course, as we all should, takes strength of record and strength of schedule into account. But the college football playoff committee really cares about strength of record and strength of schedule. Um, Georgia, for the previous two seasons in 2021 and 2022, played in the SEC East. And that basically means they played no one of their caliber in conference play outside of Tennessee in 2022, and they won the national championship twice. So schedule and your record adjusted to your schedule, your efficiency adjusted to your schedule, that's all important. But Michigan has done what the best or one of the best teams in college football would do with the schedule that they have been provided. They have the number one most efficient defense, according to ESPN's efficiency metrics, According to ESPN Analytics, the Wolverines have the second most efficient offense, only behind number one LSU. And their special teams unit hasn't had to be used all too much, but Tommy Dolman looks good, and James Turner is a kicker with a whole lot of upside. So the Michigan Wolverines are taking on Purdue at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I have no clue why this is the primetime matchup. Um, Ohio State at Rutgers would have been a better choice in my mind just because Rutgers is that much better than Purdue. But nonetheless, will the Wolverines blitz Purdue? Or does Ryan Walters have something up his sleeve and can Purdue pull off the unthinkable? Especially with Michigan obviously, you know, knowing that Penn State is up ahead and the Nittany Lions are going to throw everything they can at the Michigan Wolverines. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam. Before we resume this episode, I encourage you to hit that subscribe button and click the notification bell so you can get notified when I post more college football and Big Ten football content. Tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I am going to have my friend JT Sports on the channel to talk about the Pac-12, but also about college football's Week 10 slate in general. So hit the notification bell so you can get notified when him and I go live. And also comment your thoughts on this game down below. Comment your thoughts about Michigan's cheating scandal, because the more information that comes out, the crazier this gets. And head coaches of the Big Ten, head coaches across the country are outraged at this for the most part. There are some exceptions. 
and Big Ten athletic directors, I imagine, are not happy either. So tell me everything you want to talk to me about regarding Michigan football. Um, like this video, share it around so that we can grow our community to 20,000 subscribers by the end of the college football season. And if you want to support the channel, check out my Patreon page via the link in the description and also the link that I will post in my pinned comment. If you just want to support the channel, you can sign up as an all-conference member. If you want some bonus content and the ability to ask me personal questions about football and give content suggestions, sign up as an All-American or Heisman member. Potential power, I don't know when it will be back up, but it was updated as of last week, so I will be talking about it for this week as well, as it still has a large sample size of games to work off of but it is not going to officially be used in this week's preview and prediction series and potentially not next week's either. I'm not going to make any promises as to when it will be back up. I want to automate potential power, have a lot of the data scraping be done by machines to save me time, and it's more of a long-term investment and a side project than a critical part of the channel. But there will still be bonus content and picks on my Patreon, discussions about potential power, and I will be alluding to it several times throughout my preview and prediction videos. I can promise you all that. But it's over 50% against the spread, potential power, and around 75% against the money line, so it was performing very well and doing its job rather efficiently. So if you want to be involved in that process and watch it grow and evolve, that's another reason to sign up for the Patreon page. But to get back to this game, really, the storyline that's going to be surrounding this game outside of the Purdue spoiler makers, you know, performing in an unthinkable, unfathomable way, pulling off the upset at the same time to some that wouldn't be majorly surprising because... This is what the spoiler makers, the boiler makers, whatever you call them, are known to do. But a large storyline for this game will be, I think, does like how, how does Michigan perform? Does the outside noise get to them? Do they look sluggish? Do they play every game like their you know pants are on fire? Do they look super motivated? Do they run up the score? Do they play with a vanilla playbook because they're, you know, genuinely looking ahead to Penn State, even though I don't think this is the type of team that looks ahead over every game? And you can see that with their performances against Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State. They, they haven't looked over anyone all year. They played bored the first three games when Jim Harbaugh wasn't there as their head coach and when he was, you know, on a self-imposed suspension. And after that, Michigan has been lighting every team up with several bullets. I mean, they have just dismantled every team. And I'm, I'm curious to see that even if the outside factors don't necessarily come into play, if they can keep this up forever. You know, a bye week sometimes is very advantageous, but other times when teams come off of a bye week, they play very flat. Michigan has been playing, I would say, at worst, a high B-level game, and, you know, at best, a 100% A-plus game 
for all five of their conference games so far. Um, against Indiana, I don't think Michigan played their A game, but they still won by 45. Uh, maybe against Rutgers, there could be a debate there. Michigan did start off rather slow, had a, a special team zero with a missed field goal. But Nebraska, Minnesota, and Michigan State, all road games. Michigan, I think, played at an A, A-plus level, about as good as they possibly could have in those matchups. Can they keep that up? though, for the rest of the season. They have four games in the month of November. Purdue this weekend, Penn State the following weekend, Maryland the weekend after that. And for the final weekend of the regular season, the final week of the 2023 college football regular season, period, amen, Michigan will host the Ohio State Buckeyes. And that game, the game, I made a video talking about this already this week. There's going to be a lot of focus on the game this year compared to previous seasons if both of these teams maintain an 11-0 record. And the reason for that is is because there is some, you know, rumors floating around that, you know, Ohio State isn't too ha- wasn't too happy about, you know, Michigan beating him for the previous two seasons, and that has, that potentially, again, this is all according to rumors, fueled um, some sources or some investigators that were connected with Ohio State to blow this whole thing about Michigan's sign-stealing up. I'm, there's no evidence surrounding that, this is just speculation, but players have phones, they read news, they are humans, they hear these things. You, you don't think Ohio State players aren't aware that, you know, Michigan has had an unfair advantage and has stolen their signs and was scouting them? I mean, they don't live in complete echo chambers. I mean, Ryan Day especially, he heard Lou Holtz's comments and called them out live. So I think there will be an even greater overflowing amount of animosity between Michigan and Ohio State. And Does that necessarily relate to this game against Purdue? I don't know, but Michigan's two biggest games of the season are within three weeks of each other. You have to think that maybe there is some type of factor that Michigan isn't necessarily, you know, looking at Purdue as a serious threat. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I don't think Michigan's that type of team, but players are imperfect, coaches are imperfect. The university is trying to tread water. Uh, the Big Ten, Michigan football in particular, is chaotic right now when it comes to off-the-field issues. Purdue definitely can you know, take advantage of some of this, at least in my humble opinion. Purdue right now is 2-6. and six. FPI ranks them as the 73rd best team in all of college football. Michigan's number two right behind Ohio State. No one's really talking about Purdue because Purdue has been aced in the majority of their games. Whether Wisconsin blew them out, you know, running the football with Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen, or they lost their, you know, opener to Fresno State, or Purdue, you know, losing to Iowa on the road in a very close matchup. And losing to Nebraska by 17, getting throttled by Ohio State, 
they had a nice blowout win over Illinois and a good road win against a Virginia Tech team that right now is a winning record in the ACC. It just goes to, to show how horrendous the ACC is. If, if the ACC champion has one loss, they should be barred from the playoff unless major chaos ensues. Just personal opinion of mine. This game will be played in Michigan Stadium. This isn't necessarily like a road trap game, which I know it's against Purdue, but I think home field environment matters a lot. Michigan hasn't lost inside of a full big house since 2019 when they played Ohio State. They're undefeated in the big house in since 2021, if you you know count home games during the COVID year with no fans as home games which really, they were just a, a bunch of neutral site games with maybe symbolic home field advantage. That was a very weird season. But it's a season that mattered because, you know, there's a down year for Purdue. They bounced back. Didn't matter too much for them. But for Michigan, it mattered quite a whole lot. Not only did the whole, you know, sign-stealing controversy that began after the, after the COVID year, or at least intensified, after the COVID season. It also changed Michigan from a, you know, physical identity standpoint. They changed scheme. Their strength and conditioning was now more suited to physical Big Ten football rather than a mockery of speed and space and spread offenses. Thanks, Josh Gaddis. Just Michigan, what they are right now is a team that is peaking. They are a peak smash mouth modern modern college football team i mean they kind of along with georgia georgia really paved the way for this type of football to have success at the national level over the past two seasons georgia was a team that loved to crush you on the ground beat you you know deep in 2021 more so slice and dice you through the air in 2022 and play with really stifling defense and elite trenches it was a pro spread smash mouth spread whatever you want to call it it was it was not you know the typical urban meyer or oregon type of spread with you know fast insane raw athletes and elite receivers everywhere like ohio states in 2021 or 2022 this is a different kind of football team a team that can play board and unlike Oregon or unlike Urban Meyer teams at Ohio State or Florida, Michigan or Georgia, with their style of football, can play board, and because they prioritize controlling the game, they'll still win, and they will still bully the weak. Purdue is, on the surface, a very weak team, and I think that many of you have picked up on that. Only 14% of you in this week's poll for who do you think is going to win X game? Only 14% of you, about 320, predict Purdue to win. The other 86% think that Michigan's going to win, and probably by a large margin. Vegas is favoring Michigan to win by a little over, you know, four touchdowns, a little under five touchdowns. The line's Michigan minus 32 and a half. The football power index line, adjusting for home field advantage, which I'm just going to assume is three points because that's the average home field advantage point total or what home field advantage is worth rather in college football is Michigan minus 31 so Michigan should be favored according to FPI by 
about 31 points. The majority of people are betting Michigan to cover the spread, about 85% of public bettors, according to actionnetwork.com. I think that Michigan rightfully is a big favorite. They're given a 97.7% chance to win. The way that Michigan has played and the way that Purdue has played, you, you, you can get more opposing, more a more bipolar comparison of teams, but it would be a challenge, especially to do, well, not necessarily the Big Ten Conference outside of Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, and, and, and maybe, maybe Rutgers, maybe Maryland, maybe, you know, Nebraska, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, but those, those latter four are, you know, very incomplete teams, same with Maryland. Big Ten's a pretty weak conference outside of, you know, the top three, maybe four, five, or, you know, six teams. Indiana, Michigan State, those are some of the worst teams in all of college football right now, including the Max and the Mountain West conferences and the, the American conferences, etc. But Purdue is ineffective. I mean, Hudson Card was a good quarterback at Texas. Hudson Card was highly recruited. He has mobility, arm strength. Purdue has Graham Harrell as their OC. They have or they had good offensive linemen. Much of them are injured right now. Tyrone Tracy and Devin Mockaby make up a competent running back room. Deion Burks is a great wide receiver. Cam Allen is a good safety. And there are good defensive linemen and linebackers, like Yanni Karloftis, for example. And yet this team is sitting here with a 2-6 and six record, and they're pretty darn inefficient. Also, their special teams unit is just atrocious. Missing, I think, three field goals against Ohio State, having one blocked by Nebraska. And the only reason they scored against Nebraska's defense was because Nebraska's offense kept fumbling the ball and making mistakes. And Michigan's defense, we saw this on the field in Lincoln, but you can also see it in efficiency metrics because sometimes one game doesn't tell, often one game doesn't tell the complete or nearly half of the story. Michigan does have a better defense than Nebraska. So I'm curious to see if this game will even be close or if it will be a dominant blowout. That's probably the better question to ask rather than, is Purdue going to win? Of course they have a chance to win. No one should be overlooking anyone. You've heard this on this channel. I try, as a Michigan fan, I try to be humble. As a college football fan, I try and you know relay the message that anything can happen, even if I think it is very, very unlikely. That's why FCS teams will beat FBS teams. Appalachian State over Michigan, the unthinkable upset. North Dakota State beating a ranked Iowa in 2016. You can find several examples amongst the Big Ten. But Michigan is on paper and via the eye test in every metric the much better team. And, and you see that when you break these teams down position by position. There is no one, and I mean no one, on Purdue's team, I think, on their starting lineup and perhaps I'm wrong, who is better than anyone in Michigan's starting lineup. I mean, th th there is a pretty big 
um, size, athleticism, talent, and coaching um, discrepancy. Pretty big margin in favor of Michigan and all of these things. Jim Harbaugh, I believe, is the winningest Big Ten head coach active right now in terms of win percentage for only counting, you know, games in the Big Ten that these coaches have participated in. So Luke Fickle's 5-3 and three because this is his first year in the Big Ten. He's only behind Ryan Day. And say what you want about the cheating allegations, which Michigan cheated. They need to receive some kind of penalty. I made a video on this, by the way, and I... I I'm tempted to make another video on this soon, but right now I'm very much waiting for any official action or news about the investigation. I'm not necessarily interested in the rumors like the Connor Stallions stuff being likely on the sidelines at the Central Michigan, Michigan State game is just it, it, it it's comedic in almost a bad way. Like if that is him. How 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 did he do that? And like that would allude to the fact that maybe you know there, that this is part of something that's bigger. But I really want to focus on the games here, and I and I think what makes Jim Harbaugh a great coach, a coach that if Michigan wins the national title, he probably would be considered a near elite elite head coach, only behind the likes of Nick Saban. And obviously Kirby Smart, who has two national titles and I think is a significantly better head coach than Jim Harbaugh. Smart and Saban are in their own tier. It would take Harbaugh like rattling off three national titles in a row to, for me in my mind, to even have the conversation of him surpassing Kirby Smart. Um, He isn't focusing on the off-field issues. And neither is the team. At least that's the feel that I get. We'll we'll get a better understanding of how the team is responding to this news surrounding Michigan and these rumors and the official reports, the unofficial rumors, like I mentioned earlier on Saturday. But from what I can tell, this team is still laser-focused. They look like the best team that Michigan has had since 1997. And if they win the national title, they'll probably be better than the 1997 team, as 97 had an elite defense, an okay, above-average, good offense. This team right now looks like they have an elite offense, an elite defense, and a special teams unit that might be considered good or great instead of average if it had to be used more. Michigan right now at quarterback has the most efficient quarterback, according to ESPN, in J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy is 1,799 passing yards. He has a 199.1 passer rating. He's completing close to 80% of his passes. He has 18 touchdowns, three interceptions, and on the ground, he has three rushing touchdowns and 168 rushing yards, averaging 5.1 yards per carry on the ground and 10.6 yards per pass attempt through the air. Purdue, in contrast, has Hudson Card who's passed for 1,717 yards. He has eight passing touchdowns, seven interceptions, a 115.7 passer rating. And on the ground, Hudson Card has just been hit over and over and over again. He has 48 rushing yards and 68 carries. 
He's been sacked 18 times to McCarthy's eight. McCarthy is a 93.8 QBR, which is first in all of college football. Hudson Card is a 43.1 QBR, which is 102nd in all of college football. So the one of the biggest differences for these teams, I would say, is their, their passing offense, despite the fact that Purdue, with Graham Harrell, wants to throw the football quite a bit. They have 282 passing attempts, 288 carries. With Devin Mockaby and Tyrone Tracy, I would say confidently that their run game is better than their passing game. They're only averaging 6.1 yards per pass attempt. And in the past few games, whether it's Ohio State or Nebraska, Hudson Card's been averaging 3 to 4 yards per pass attempt, while the run game's been averaging about the same per carry. So... Purdue's strength is in their run game, but you can see that with the passing offense they have and their injuries on the offensive line, they're only scoring 21.9 points per game. Michigan's scoring 40.6, and on top of that, Michigan is one of the least penalized teams in all of college football. Michigan is averaging 4.7 yards per carry on the ground with 1,394 rushing yards and 20 rushing touchdowns. Blake Corum having 13 of those rushing touchdowns and 605 rushing yards. Purdue, on the other hand, they're averaging just around, they're floating just below four yards per carry, averaging 3.7 yards per carry with 1,066 rushing yards. Devin Mockaby is 520 rushing yards, four rushing touchdowns. Tyrone Tracy Jr. has five. The team in total has 13 Purdue is a great wide receiver in Deion Burks, who has 426 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns, but his quarterback, due to his offensive line and also the fact that he is just, you know, currently a below average to bad quarterback, can't get him the ball. Purdue, because of the offensive line, quarterback, and the team really being worn down through their first eight games, is just a discombobulated mess offensively. Michigan, meanwhile, is Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, Colston Loveland, A.J. Barner, Samaj Morgan, all of whom have had receiving touchdowns in key moments in their games. It's, it's almost you know weird to say key moments, as there's been no time this season where like Michigan needed that touchdown to win this game or to you know take over X game. It's, this is another interesting um, concept about Michigan is do the Wolverines need to be tested before they face, you know, Penn State and Ohio State? And is that lack of receiving significant pushback on the field, could that actually hurt them against Penn State or Ohio State? Or does Michigan just roll over both of those teams like they have been everyone else? Or is the truth somewhere in the middle that Michigan is going to win um, and them having a lack of challenge won't really hurt them, but those teams will play Michigan much closer? It, it, it's, it's interesting, really, because the Wolverines have looked much more dominant than the Nittany Lions and the Buckeyes, specifically on the offensive side of the football. Michigan right now, you watch the Big Ten play offense, Michigan is the only team where I can tell you that they are able to execute their identity. 
The only one. The only. Um, Rutgers maybe, but I don't think their passing game is where they want it to be. I mean, I seriously don't think you're content with only completing 50% of your passes. Ohio State's run game has had a difficulty taking off, and Ryan Day really wants to run the football. Penn State, under James Franklin, they always want to pound the rock, and they can't this year. They've struggled to run against Northwestern, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio State. Just about everyone they faced, they have struggled to put together a game-breaking ground performance. And I don't anticipate that that will happen against Michigan or whoever they likely face in their New Year's Six Bowl. But we'll talk about that and the likelihood of that when I preview Penn State and Maryland as well tomorrow. So hit the notification bell again if you want to get notified when I produce, um, preview, not Purdue. Purdue's on my mind, though, as a Michigan fan. Preview that matchup. Click that notification bell because I will be previewing a lot of Big Ten matchups. Also talking about you know USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, the future. Big Ten members. Defensively, both of these teams are able to get to the quarterback. This is Purdue's lone strength. They have 24 sacks. And Kydron Jenkins is a beast of a player. 28 solo tackles. 37 total tackles. One forced fumble. Seven sacks. This is only through eight games. And the 6'1", 260-pound, I think, edge rusher from Louisville, Georgia, is just showing off. And he did, I think Kydron Jenkins had that fumble recovery for a touchdown against Nebraska, or at least he had, yes, he did. He had that fumble return for a touchdown. I mean, it just, they they are able to get after the passer. And Michigan against Indiana struggled against a, a Hoosier defense that, you know, with Andre Carter, Aaron Casey, they're able to intimidate you in the front seven. But Indiana could also stop the rushing attack. They overall just had a great, well-balanced, disciplined front seven. I can't say the same about Purdue in stopping the run game. Are they bad? No. But they're clearly better at rushing the passer and defending the pass at the lines of scrimmage than they are in stopping the run. And I do imagine that Michigan has been working on their rushing attack, as I have been unimpressed with their run blocking, and I'm sure the staff has, over the initial eight, nine weeks of the college football season. Purdue also has 24 passes defended, six interceptions, eight forced fumbles, and seven fumble recoveries. So this defense likes to get turnovers, they're scrappy, they love to get pressure, they're they're in a certain way like a very skeletal version of Illinois' defense from last year. Obviously much more incomplete, um, a lot of holes overall, whether it's defensive line, linebacker, secondary. But Purdue's defense is the, air, the, the side of the football that I'm more curious to watch for the Boilermakers with Kydron Jenkins, Sanusi Kane, Yanni Karloftis, Nick Scorton, Dylan Thieneman, Cam Allen, OC Brothers. All of those players are, you know, great players. By the way, Markevious Brown, Dylan Thieneman, two forced fumbles. And Kydron Jenkins, again, leading the team in seven sacks, and, and Nick Scorton has five. For the Wolverines defensively, 
They have 21 sacks. And the leader for Michigan in sacks right now is Josiah Stewart with four. Jalen Harrell um, trails him with three and a half. The Wolverines have 26 passes defended, 11 interceptions, four of them returned for six. They lead the nation in this category, and they have seven forced fumbles with three fumble recoveries. Michigan has only had 444 total tackles on the year, and on average, they have about 32 minutes and 17 seconds of possession per game. Purdue has had 472 total tackles on the season. They have about 30 minutes of possession, so an exact 50-50 split between their offense and defense on the season. For Purdue, they're they're just an they're an intriguing team, really, and they're obviously in a rebuild, trying to change their identity, trying new things, etc. It's 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 very obvious. Dion Burks is a player to watch. And I bring his name up because I think that Michigan's secondary over the past eight games has shown vulnerability, whether it's against Bowling Green. This is the starting secondary, by the way, not the backups. The starting secondary has shown vulnerabilities to big plays through the air against Bowling Green, against Rutgers, against Minnesota, against... Indiana, although that was more of a trick play, so that's just kind of meh, against Nebraska. So Nebraska, Bowling Green, Minnesota, and Rutgers. Those are all teams with just a pulse. Those are not top 25 teams, at least right now. I think that Nebraska, Minnesota, um, Rutgers can be that, but I'm not going to place any you know bets or certainties on that being the case right now. Anyone with a pulse, with a quarterback with capable arm talent, and with a good receiver of some kind has been able to nick one big play or more against this starting lineup. I think it's nitpicking to a certain degree, as I've mentioned in earlier videos, but it's worth pointing out because what is nitpicking right now will be an obvious point of concern when Marvin Harrison Jr. comes to Ann Arbor or potentially if Drew Aller decides to play the best game of his whole career and light it up with Keandre Lambert-Smith in Beaver Stadium. Deion Burks is Purdue's best wide receiver. He has 426 receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns, and 29 receptions. He's averaging 14.7 yards per reception. He was pretty quiet against Nebraska, only having two receptions for eight yards, and against Ohio State, he only had three receptions for 22 yards and a touchdown. But Ohio State's secondary, I think, is the best in all of college football right now. So despite that touchdown being in garbage time, um, him, you know, it's expected that he would be held to that total against an elite Ohio State defense, especially pass defense. He started off the year hot with two receiving touchdowns on four receptions and 152 receiving yards. The game where he was targeted the most or at least had the most receptions was Wisconsin where he had six receptions for 73 yards, and Illinois, where he had five receptions for 83 yards and a touchdown. So he's an impact-wide receiver. I think that if Purdue does get a big player, a few of them through the air, oh, speaking of which, Deion Burks is from Belleville, Michigan. Uh, that's pretty awesome. 
if the Boilermakers are able to get the gears rolling in the passing game, it will be because of Dion Burks. Michigan's player to watch, I think, is Blake Corum. He has been by far their best running back of the season. Donovan Edwards, I'll say it again for the nth time, is a superior receiver to this point of the 2023 season than he is a rusher. Kalel Mullings is another player to watch. It, it sounds like that he's been back practicing for about a week. Wouldn't be surprised if the staff rested him so that he can be a backup option or a rotational option against Penn State, but I wouldn't be surprised if he played in this game either and also had quite a you know showing out party. But for Blake Corum, Purdue is 76th in rushing yards allowed per game, allowing 153.8 yards per game. Purdue's defense allows exactly 30 points per game. Remember when I talked about how this Purdue defense is like a skeletal version of last year's Illinois defense? Well, by skeletal, I mean that there's only bones left. There is resemblance, but it's obviously a rebuilding project and far from perfect. It is one of the worst defenses in the Big Ten and in all of Power 5 football. And I think this is particularly the case when you look at their run defense. And with Michigan's offensive line, they've been given a, you know, a week to rest, recover. I imagine that Michigan is focusing on improving their run game. Their passing games looked great at this very moment. But if you're Jim Harbaugh, you do want to run the football you know, even more. You want to have that balanced attack, but it, it would be really sweet to have just a, a really good performance on the ground. And this is not Sharon Moore's best offensive line. I thought that this was going to be the case entering this season. This is an area where I've been wrong. Uh, Michigan's offensive line last year paired with this team would make this team even more overpowered than I think they already are. Uh, Michigan has had some problems opening up holes in the ground game, parting the Red Sea, and their tackles have had some problems in defending J.J. McCarthy and, you know, stopping competent, good, great pass rushes. So I think that Blake Corum and the ground game will be given an opportunity to shine, and Blake Corum, I think, will take that opportunity like elite players do. Corum has had 605 rushing yards on the year on 111 carries, and he has 13 rushing touchdowns, which I think is tied for first nationally in rushing touchdowns by running backs, and, and really by players overall. My prediction for this matchup is Michigan wins big. They cover the spread. They win 59-7. to I think they're going to come off the bye being extremely motivated, and I think they will have their most successful rushing attack of the 2023 season up to this point. McCarthy will complete 75% or more of his pass attempts, and Michigan will enter what will be likely a top 10 matchup in Beaver Stadium. Again, nothing is guaranteed. For Michigan, they're not guaranteed to beat Purdue. Penn State's not guaranteed to beat Maryland, but it's statistically likely that Penn State will go into their game against Michigan with an 8-1 and record, and Michigan will have a 9-0 and record. And it will be a top-10 matchup, and it will be no doubt the game of the week. That will be the first preview video that I release. A 59-7 win. Big win. Uh, the Boilermakers' offense, their struggles, will carry over from last weekend and prior weeks. Purdue, I think, is demoralized. They're in a rebuild phase, 
and they're not healthy. Like their their offensive line has really fallen back and suffered from tremendous injuries. Michigan, meanwhile, had injuries to begin the season, but right now they're one of college football's healthiest teams, and that bodes extremely well for them. They have, I think, the best strength and conditioning program and one of the best developmental programs in all of the country right now, and that's been a big part of their success over the past two seasons is, you know, in 2021, Ben Herbert, he he was on the staff for the previous four years counting the 2021 season, and that means that he got to develop these players for all of that time. And I think that the, you know, the fruit began to bear elite results in 2021, you know, combined with great coaching, new minds, hires, and I know what some detractors will say in the comment section, so I will say, yes, Michigan did, you know, take advantage of some illegal activities, but I encourage you to watch Michigan football games on the highlight reel and tell me that they didn't physically manhandle practically every team that they beat over the past two seasons. Um, TCU, even if they, you know, whether they did play Michigan or not, because there's a rumor that they knew about their sign stealing, Michigan physically just manhandled, got manhandled by TCU in that Fiesta Bowl. You can watch it. You can watch, you know, the, the, the pushing and the pulling. Um, there were a few times where TCU obviously out-schemed Michigan as well, but they obviously in that game looked like the physically tougher team, which is what made that loss even more humiliating. The Wolverines, I think they'll rush for over 200 yards, pass for over 200. Uh, this score will probably be ugly at the half. I expect that Purdue will score their seven points later in the game, or it'll be either in the first quarter with maybe a trick play or a busted coverage, or in the fourth quarter, more likely than not, in garbage time. So 59-7, to Michigan will move on to 9-0. and Purdue will be locked out of contending for a bowl game, moving down to 2-7. and Thank you so much for watching this video. I want to give a shout-out to my Patreon supporters, Crash2488, my Heisman patron, Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, SFS Inverted, my All-American patrons, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, and Austin Christmas, my All-Conference patrons. Click the link in the pinned comment in the comment section so you can join my Patreon or at least investigate it for yourself. Your support is always appreciated. However, it is never expected, and YouTube content is my priority. Have a great day, guys, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.